Welcome to Football Neophytes Podcast. After an unscheduled week off, we are back. We're going to catch up on last week's and this week's matchups. We're going to intro you to Paul Heckingbottom. Who? Exactly. We're going to talk a little bit. Ianacho, everyone's new favorite player, except for Chris, of course. Lamella Madness. Jose eating his own words. It was a bad week for Fulham and their hopes to avoid relegation. Wembley is all set for the FI semifinals. An Arsenal comeback. And Kyle is going to talk Leeds Chelsea. gentlemen what's up welcome back what up i didn't know we were talking about lamello ball i'll have to pull my uh nba <laughs> out oh lomello yeah oh sorry <laughs> i get them confused i know i know very similar so uh, confusing yeah so uh on lamello ball he uh fractured his wrist today and he's out for the season so that's a bummer but let's talk about lamella is it is it a bummer i don't even watch nba i'll watch nba once uh playoff start little little trailblazers here and there but yeah i'm certainly not a uh, ball family fan by any means <laughs> but lamello has been really entertaining this year a much better rookie season than most people thought he would have so it's been fun but sucks to get i in. heard uh big baller brands thinking about sponsoring <laughs> me and united never lost, never <laughs> lost. <laughs> i'd be all for it <laughs> if the triple b can afford to buy <laughs> manchester united i'm all in would you want the big baller brand uh, logo instead of the Chevy brand? Um, oh, that's a great question. Um, I guess I would be for, I, I really do hate the Chevy logo. I've, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm not like a, this brand's better than that brand kind of a guy. Like I've always been a, if you make something cool, I'm all for it. I don't care who you are. So I'm not like a, Oh, uh, Apple over uh, Mac and or uh, Microsoft. Like they both make cool stuff. I prefer an Apple laptop, but Microsoft makes some really awesome stuff too. Uh, so the whole car thing is—I don't really care about it. I just have always thought it's a dumb logo. <laughs> and so for it to be prominently on the chest of the team that I chose to support, um, you know, it is what it is. But waking up this week and uh, finding out that that sponsorship ends at the end of the season and true viewer. Coming in to add their logo to the chest. Um, I did find that the text I sent you guys, those were those were fan mock-ups. Um, all they did was just announce that True Viewer is the new uh, sponsor. Uh, they don't have any jerseys, actually, of what they will be as of right now. So well, we'll of course, but still, all they had to do is copy and paste the PNG of, a, of their logo, right? And that logo looks like it was made by fiverr.com that's a pretty that's a pretty bad uh, logo yeah it was definitely a 99 dollars contest on 99 designs um but here's the thing if you're gonna pay 47 million dollars to uh be the head sponsor for a team you might rebrand your shitty logo to make it decent so we'll see there's still like four or five months until those those new kids will come out. So we'll see. Yeah. 
Well, let's look, let's move on away from sponsorships. We can talk about that at the season preview next year when we look at all the kits and mock them and praise a couple, but uh, yeah, we took last week off unscheduled um, just some scheduling conflicts for us, but so we'll dive backwards a little bit into last weekend. Um, This weekend was obviously a short weekend with some makeup matches being played uh, FA cup matches, the quarterfinals. And so, um, but last weekend wolves, it was actually on Monday wolves played Liverpool and the best way I can describe it is it felt a lot like wolves one nil loss to Manchester United, um, a match where they played really well and were pretty like equal and up to the task. I even think wolves might've finished with a bit like a percent more possession than Liverpool in the match. Um, and it felt really even, and it just a goal that went in like good, good goal, like went in and wolves wolves lose so it felt a little bit like that like one of those losses that you're disappointed because you feel you could have got a result out of it but but turns out in a loss um the big news two two pieces of of news one both concussion related one lighthearted, and the other not so much but uh the the big one was that Rui patricio took a knee to the head and was just knocked unconscious um they never showed the replays, so I, I never saw what happened, but it sounds like Connor Cody on a corner need him in the head, and he was out. I mean, it was so reminiscent of the Arsenal game, losing Raul, so it was really, really scary. He seems to be good. They never end up having to take him to the hospital, but um, he's going to have to pass the concussion protocol. Fortunately, Wolves had, like, I think a full two weeks, maybe even almost three weeks between matches, so they don't play again until I think April 5th. So uh, yeah, I think three weeks in between. So hopefully he'll be back um, for that. The other piece of concussion related news is that Raul has been out on the pitch, but this is more of a hair watch statement, but did you guys see Raul's dyed blonde hair? I did. I didn't know it was him at first. I was like, Whoa, who is that? Yeah. I I'm curious. I mean, I don't know what the motivation is. He has that big scar. So I wonder if part of it is like in his black hair, the scar stands out so much, but with kind of a dyed, mm. a dyed blonde, it looks more like his head color. And so I don't know if he's, if he's that vain or he just wants to like play it down, but it's been good to see him out on the pitch. He's running around, kicking the ball around and um, seen a lot of people are spec, uh, speculating that he'll be back this year. Um, hopefully not if it's going to put him at, greater risk but um but we'll see it'd be great to see him back out there before the season ends for sure i'd love to see it and i think he needs to embrace the scar like that's a badass scar he's got now like just embrace it and own it that's awesome well i imagine he'll wear some sort of a helmet um i I was actually wondering that um because i seen some videos and pictures of him on the training grounds um and i wondered if he was gonna wear like uh the the like it looks like the old 1920s football helmets. Yeah. The Petr Cech style, like helmet. Yeah. It, he uses his head. It's one thing for a keeper to wear that, but you know, he uses his head so much. Um, 
and is great. I mean, it's just great at headers and going up and, and getting, getting goals that way. So it'll be interesting to see how a, how a helmet affects him, the psychology of it, how that'll affect him. It's essentially how he got injured to begin with. So, um, Time will tell. I'm sure they'll work that out on the training ground a little bit, but live, live action will be a bit, a bit different. Yeah. Any, any word on Patricio? Like he seems like he's okay. Well, he didn't go to the hospital, so that's good. So there's no like skull fracture or anything. Just got, got knocked out. So there's no, no new news on it. Um, but again, he'll have to pass all the concussion protocols um, going into it. But like I said, there's plenty of time for him to do that. So, yeah, when I saw the the play at first, I was like, "Oh, that was nothing." And then I saw the replay from a different angle. I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> that was he got." Yeah, I actually I saw never it. saw the replay. They must have just yeah. shown it once or twice, and then uh, I saw it on Twitter. So, oh, got it. Yeah, I never, I never looked for it. But I mean, he 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 laid out for a ball. Yeah. And then Cody just kind of continued his run and just knee straight to the noggin. Yeah. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. Well, Wolves got a one, had a one nil defeat to Liverpool. Um, Manchester United with a one nil victory over West Ham. Chris, how, how was that match for you? Uh, you know, it feels like it was so long ago because the game essentially was pretty forgettable to be honest with you. It was an own goal uh, on a corner for uh west ham or his man use corner that bruno kicked looked like mctominay headed it he did uh he heads it right into the defender's head and then it goes into the goal um other than that like i i don't know whether it's praise the united defense in that game or what um but I, i don't think i'm pretty sure going into the vault on this one but i don't think west ham even had a shot on goal registered in that match. Um, so United kind of dominated the ball and then defensively, they were really good. Lindelof and McGuire had their best games of the season. Um, so that was the positives coming out of that match. Um, there really wasn't a whole lot of offense, which kind of seems to be the norm right now. Um, but I don't know. It feels like this breaks coming right at the right time because they're just starting to get healthy just starting to get guys back. Um, you know, the game, the match today in the FA Cup against Leicester. We'll get there. We'll get there. Don't go too far ahead. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll come back around to it. Um, yeah, I think it's a good win for Manchester United, of course. West Ham has played great all season. Um, is obviously fighting for a top four. Uh, was that at Old Trafford or was that um, – was that um, it was it was at Old Trafford. Okay. Yeah, it was a home so, win. But still, I mean, a win's a win. It's actually at home, it's probably you're better off. It's, so it's it's more impressive when they went at home at this point because they don't they haven't lost on the road in the Premier League in over a year. Yeah. So to actually win at home against a squad who is good, yeah. That was awesome. For sure. Well, as I, as I mentioned in the, in the teaser, um, we had a, a coaching change and I thought as a podcast designed for new premier league fans, people getting into the game, um, it might be good to talk about these new managers who come in because I know nothing like outside. I don't know anything outside of 
the Premier League um, or very little outside the Premier League. I for sure don't know <clears> much about the lower divisions. I don't know about clubs, U23 teams. Um, and so unless they've been a Premier League manager before, I don't really know about them. So I thought, let's introduce this, this newest Premier League manager, which is maybe, uh, well, it's for sure going to be short-lived, but uh, it's probably a bit strong to say because what, I've re- what I saw on Twitter about uh, Hacking Bottom was not very positive. And so Paul he- Hacking Bottom is the new coach at Sheffield United. Um, they axe Wilder. Um, during the week, which was pretty controversial. I think a lot of people think he's a great manager and uh, that they should have stuck with him, especially going down to championship. They felt like he could have brought him back up. Um, and so, and this late in the game, it feels kind of like pointless, but apparently this is the guy they want to take the team forward. And so they're, they're investing in him. Um he was a youth at Man U. He was on the Man- Manchester United youth team. Chris came up through their academy, uh, played defense, had a 16-year career, so played for a long time, 418 appearances, uh, but all in lower level. So League One, Championship. I don't think he played any matches at the Premier League level. Um He's from Barnsley. And so when he got his first managerial post, he managed Barnsley. He kind of was a caretaker for them for a couple of seasons, then got the full-time job. He's also managed Leeds, Hiberian, which is a Scottish club. And then most recently he was Sheffield United's U23 team. Here's what I find. And I think maybe what a lot of people find most disconcerting is that his winning percentage as a manager is like 341. Hmm. Now, now winning percentages in, in football or soccer are always going to be depressed, right? Because you've got draws that are included in this, in the calculations of a winning percentage, but still like that's one, one, and one, right. Essentially as a career, as a career manager. And so four, four points out of three, that's not going to do you very well. Um, and so I think people are skeptical of what this guy's going to do. I don't know a ton about Sheffield United. He had been coaching their U23. So I don't know if they have a really good U23 squad that they're looking to like, you know, pump the the squad with a bunch of these youth players mm-hmm. and have him, you know, take a couple of years at the championship to develop them and then bring him back up. Who knows? But but that is him. That's Paul Heckingbottom. Um, I would ask if you guys have any questions about him, but that's literally, I've literally shared everything I know. <laughs> I will say Barnsley, if you haven't heard of Barnsley, you should as an American, because Barnsley, I think is fifth right now in the championship. And they have a young American named Dyke on their team who is scoring goals at an out of control pace. He, I think he came over in January and they hadn't lost since he came over. I think they were out like eight, eight Oh and two or something hadn't lost. They just lost, I think over the weekend. Um, but he scored five or six goals as a stud and is someone that, uh, 
now is a reason to root for Barnsley to, to get promoted. <clears throat> the next thing on the table is uh, Ian Acho. This guy, <laughs> we've referenced him. Um, he's slowly, he's slowly becoming one of my favorite players to watch in the Premier League. Uh, five goals this week, three over the uh, last weekend, hat trick, and then two today in the FA Cup match. Um, Chris, you watched that match. I'm, as much as you can leave your uh, your heartstrings at the door, what do you what do you make of this guy? What did you see from him today? He's really good. <laughs> like. <laughs> Here's, here's the thing, like kind of what I was saying earlier about how I don't really attach to brands. Like I just like cool. I, I feel the same way about athletes now. Like my, my distaste or disdain or hatred for other clubs, other teams, like it just went away a few years ago. It's probably because of the job I had where I was constantly traveling to all these different locations and getting to interact with fans that like, uh, and this is funny for you guys. The only fan base that I can't stand is the San Francisco 49ers fan, <laughs> which they're just the biggest group of a-holes I've ever had to deal with. And that's on a consistent basis. Now, the exact opposite for San Francisco giant fans who are some of my absolute favorite fans. So <clears throat> it's like, it's crazy because there's a huge overlap in fan bases, but for whatever reason, these guys going to the 49er games are way worse than anyone I ever dealt with in my six years of doing that. That's but, why Nate's, uh, that's why Nate's just an a-hole half the time. <laughs> just half the time, but yeah. Kyle all the time. So yes. that's, that's what Kyle's leaving out, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How so, are the Cubs fans? Well, I guess you can't talk about the Cubs fans cause you are one too, but. Yes, that's true. Um, but yeah, I, like this, Inacho is, is good. And you know, his second goal today, the header was McTominay just missed it coming in and it got over him and, it was an easy put in. Um, but, you know, I mean, he had that goal what was it, like two weeks ago. That was just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, he's good. And we, we've talked about this before. Lester is a lovable team. Like I want man, man United to beat them every time they play, but I enjoy watching them play. And when they're not playing, I find myself rooting for Lester to, to do well. Um, they're a likable squad with likable players. And it seems like Anacho is just another one to add to that list. Um, I think from an FA Cup standpoint, I, I mean, yeah, I was rooting for my squad today and I was super frustrated with the loss because I felt like they screwed themselves more than they really lost the game. Like they really beat themselves. I mean, the first goal was just a joke from Fred. Um, yeah, but that was ridiculous. At the end of the day, I just went like, it's the FA Cup, like, whatever like yeah and not to say that they shouldn't care about that but i think in the grand scheme of things let me ask you this do you think clubs would rather win the premier league title or win champions league title or champions league yeah um like which, which title do you think means more would you rather be the biggest squad as the european champion or would you rather just win the Premier League? If you had to choose one or the other as I a think, fan. Oh, man. Well, for me, as a fan, I think, I mean, it's obviously skewed because I'm a Wolves fan. So probably winning Premier League would matter more to me as just personally. 
because you're like the best of England. But I think in general, I bet most fans would say winning Champions League, right? Like that's the biggest, mm. that's the biggest okay. one in the world. That and I was I was trying to figure that out. I don't know. I couldn't really come to an answer of what I would rather see more. Would I rather see United win the EPL or the Champions League? Um, but then from there you go, okay, you, you don't have either of those. You can still win Europa. They're in Europa. Uh, so you'd rather win Europa. And then it comes to the FA Cup and then the Caribou Cup. And so, like, I don't know. It's fun to get get the awards and play in those tournaments. And at the end of the day today, I was just like, well, they played like shit. They deserve to lose. But at least it wasn't a Premier League match for now I've got to stress out about the clubs catching them. Yeah. Well, I think, I think here's the other thing. Trophies matter. I think. Yeah. So, so this is where I think you could make an argument for Manchester United that they should have gone for it in the FA because what you ultimately want is trophies. I think Carabao, yeah. I think everyone kind of recognizes that as a sub as a substandard substandard trophy. But I think if you're talking trophies in general i think people would rather like you you're not going to win the premier league this year so get a trophy win the fa cup right you know i think that's what makes southampton an interesting story right like they're probably not going to get relegated but they're playing so piss poorly in the premier league and yet now they're in the the semifinals of the fa cup and they could come away with a trophy and an entrance into Europa next year by finishing 16th, you know, like that's pretty. And I think that's where Wolves fans were pretty, pretty disappointed that we lost to Southampton um, in FA because people are like, listen, we're going to finish bottom table. Probably we have nothing else to play for. Why not put our best squad in the FA cup and get a, get a trophy or at least make a run, you know, so yeah Ole had a quote this week kind of talking about it and I don't know you 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 gotta take what managers say with a grain of salt but you know he said trophies are fun but they're really just for managers egos and so you know and then they go out and they lay an egg today and and lose to say you know hey our coach is right we don't really care yeah Uh, but yeah I don't know but I think fans care. I think fans, I think too, like we, we have a unique perspective as Americans because there's no, um, there's no history for us for the FA cup, but for, for English, for the English, like the FA cup has a ton of value. Right. Yeah. And even like playing at Wembley, like that's a huge accomplishment. Like the semifinals are now in Wembley and there's something iconic about that. And and special about playing matches there. Cause it means you've accomplished something because they do the same for the semifinals of the, um, okay. After a brief, uh, smoke alarm interruption, <laughs> um, I probably don't need to ramble on more about that, but, but the, you know, I think semifinals and finals of, uh, the, or maybe just the finals of the championship play playoff go to Wembley there's just like, there's just more there with, with Wembley. So um, I think it's exciting for these clubs. And then especially a club like Southampton, that's essentially out of it with nothing to play for Leicester city and Chelsea who are all in it are still maybe in the driver's seat to, to make, 
make Champions League through the normal route of finishing top four. But but Southampton has really something to play for here. And in some some ways, you would say probably should go all in on the FA Cup uh, as opposed to playing their their best players for for uh, regular Premier League match. Yeah, there's such an unlikelihood of them getting relegated. I think they're even sitting in 16th. They're far enough away to where they're probably safe. Yeah, probably. But I think if Fulham would have won one of their matches or maybe both, there would maybe be a bit more of a maybe pressure on Southampton. But um, but yeah, Fulham they had a rough a rough week. Two losses. Um, obviously they they have losses um to to good teams so so you it's they got through i mean they didn't really get through it they're done now with some of their their more challenging matches um but burnley had a victory brighton had two victories um the only saving grace was that newcastle only drew and then they lost their other match they lost pretty bad today actually so (laughs) or this weekend. So um, there's still a chance for Fulham, but, but definitely a rough week. What are we thinking about Fulham? It, it was a, a rough week for Fulham, but again, my calculations come down to that final match. <laughs> still within that final match striking distance. So we're okay. Yep. I'd like it a lot better if Newcastle didn't have that game in hand, you know, an opportunity to get another point or three. Um, who knows if they will, you know, with all those bottom teams, it's more probably more likely that they don't get any points in that match. But, um, yeah, I think they got a shot. My boys at Fulham. Yep. Uh, okay, let's let's talk Lamella. Not Lamello, but Lamella. Um what a crazy performance from him has one of the goals of the season. Uh, one of the goals of the season with his Rabona and then two yellows just basically self like implodes and gets sent off, which I didn't even realize he had been brought on the game. Right. Yeah. He was a sub in that game. <laughs> yeah. Cause son did son get injured. I think son got injured. He came in as a sub has this Rabona brilliant goal and then sent off again. And you know, you're going to need to describe what a Rabona is for Kyle. Oh, sure. That's I actually didn't know that that's what this was called, but I watched the game and I saw that goal live and I was like, Holy hell, that was amazing. Well, I, you, you told you, I think texted us I like, Hey, check out, check out Lamella's goal. Did you see Lamella's goal? So I hadn't seen it. So I went back and watched it and at first look, I didn't even notice that he did anything with it. But so a Rabona, Kyle, did you saw the goal? Did you ever see the goal? Yeah. No goal. Okay. So that's what a a Rabona is. It's when you kick the ball behind your leg by whipping your behind one leg with your other leg by whipping your leg around. Wow. Yeah. Obviously it's a highly skilled maneuver and i think especially the way the way he did it, i think it's kind of like a one-timer right he just whipped his leg around and um mm. scored so he's a he's apparently known for it a little bit and i and what i read about rabona because i wanted to do a little research is um 
there tend to be guys who will try it more often. And I think there are these guys like who have a bit more flair in their game because in some ways it's like, is there a huge benefit to doing it? Maybe if you're so bad with your off foot, like it's actually better <laughs> for you to kick. Or if you're kind of out of, if you're in kind of an awkward position, it's actually your left foot's already planted. So it's easier to wrap your right, right leg around. Um, but it's one of those things, like if he misses that goal, he, he looks like a fool, <laughs> you know, for trying this sick move that goes wide or isn't very good, but, but it was cool. Um, but Rabona, so it either comes from, there's a little bit of like difference of opinion, but Rabona means like, it's the word they use for playing hooky in Spanish. And apparently the guy who first did it uh, in a match, there was like a picture of him in like school clothing on the front page of the paper after he did it, it said he played hooky or something. So then this word kind of stuck with him, but the other thing, the other uh, kind of piece of etymology is that the word Rabo uh, means tail in Spanish. So it's kind of like you're like a tail whip. And so they don't know if it came from one or the mm. other, but Rabona is what they call it in Spanish. And Pele was the first person to ever do it where it was captured on film. So there it is, Rabona. I like it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk, I don't know if you guys saw Jose... I, I love keeping my eye on Jose interviews cause they're, they're usually entertaining. And, uh, but before the Arsenal match, apparently he, someone asked him about the match cause it's like a huge Derby. And he said, you know, I don't, I don't look at teams behind me in the table. I just look at the teams in front of us in the table. And so, and then they went out and laid an egg against, uh, Arsenal. Arsenal got the two, one win. So, uh, pretty pretty funny but then today they came out and beat villa um so i don't know that team is so the spurs team is so bizarre <laughs> yes they're exactly what you expect out of a jose team at this point that's true that's true i don't know do you guys think he how how long do you think he's there this is i think this is it i think he gets let go in the off season in the off season you think he's gone does yeah, yeah, he I think let go or does he quit um, I'll say he gets let go and he tells everyone that he quit. <laughs> That's good. I love that. That's good. <laughs> All right. Before we get to, uh, the Kyle's Kyle's match, um, we have to talk about today's Arsenal West Ham match. Um, I, I put it on Titus and actually the kids slept at grandparents last night. So Titus wasn't even here to watch Arsenal. Um, but I put on this morning and West Ham just came out firing. They, they were in control really early on. Like, I don't know if our Arsenal, I bet didn't have the ball in their half um, for more than 30 seconds in the first 10 minutes of the match. Um West Ham goes up three nil. I mean, it really looked like they were going to just run away with the match. Lacazette ends up scoring a goal, which actually they ended up turning, turning around into an own goal to make it three, one at halftime. 
and then another own goal, I think in like the 70th minute, three, two. Um, and then uh, right in, I don't even know what minute it was, towards the end, 83rd, 84th minute, Lacazette on a header, um, I think off a corner, off a set piece, heads it in three, <clears throat> third goal to make it three, three, but super exciting, tons of action. And the last five to 10 minutes of this game, I even tweeted out, like, can they have 25 minutes at a time? Because this is so much fun to watch, just balls pinging in. And actually when it was three, two, Miguel, Miguel Antonio had a ball um, that he kicked right off the post. So there was like tons of opportunity, tons of chances, a uh, couple like really good goal line saves. Um, it was a, it was a great match. It was like everything, everything you would want and kind of a high scoring, exciting soccer match, especially as football neophytes. Yeah. It's, I didn't watch this match. It sounded crazy with the own goals and I don't know if you guys made this correlation, but earlier in the, in this pod, we were just talking about West Ham having an own goal against Man United. So oh, yeah. if West Ham could just stop kicking the ball in their own goal, <laughs> they would have had four points this week. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Some of that's so hard, right? Like own goal. I think before I watched a lot of soccer matches an own goal sounded so horrific which is crazy because actually Fred's pass today, like that Fred's That's is more of an own goal. Fred's is more of an own goal than any of these own goals against West Ham. <laughs> like, so yeah, that's what you expect. But these own goals are like little deflections. You know, you're going in to make a play, you're trying to defend and it kicks off you into the goal, you know, I think especially those deflections because your keeper maybe even covers you, right? Like he's diving one direction and then it ricochets off you the other direction and he's left hanging out to dry. So, um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's true though about those own goals. Yeah. It seems like 95% of the own goals are just flukes. It just went off of you. And then the other 5% are Fred passing to the other team right in front of <laughs> <laughs> totally you know and the other thing with west ham is good god we've said it every week since but jesse lingard holy cow dude let me tell you something i love the loan rules because he wasn't allowed to play against manchester united in their midweek game last week so they didn't have to deal with him coming after them um but my god he is a difference maker for west ham this is one of those scenarios that, and this is actually what's cool about the loan i think and what's an it's kind of a fascinating like science, but if a loan works out, it almost always works out for both teams because either you get a loanee for a period of time that helps your team succeed. And then the parent club calls them back and they've just got this kid or this guy, a ton of great experience. And now you bring him back into your squad or you sell them, you make the loan permanent. And now the team who he went to like Lingard is most likely going to sign with West Ham. West Ham gets a great player that they already know. They've already seen how he fits in the system and man, you gets money for a guy that they may not have gotten as much like man, Manchester United will get more money for Jesse Lingard this off season 
than if he would have just ridden the pine for them all season and not played at all. And so it really does work out for both squads when you have a loney that, that performs really well. Yeah, I think it'll be, I mean, specifically looking at this situation, it's going to be a really interesting offseason for decisions that they need to make um, because their strikers at, at United have been really poor this year. Like they're winning games because either Bruno or Pogba catches a little piece of magic and they, you know, they score and they win. Yeah. Um, and so I think before the season, sure, you could easily have said, like, we should probably get what we can get for Lingard. Um, but considering how he's playing, he's very clearly a loved member of the United team. You can see that he was in the tunnel way of the United West Ham match and every single United player stopped, hugged him. And, you know, like you could tell that they legitimately care about him. Um, so it'll be interesting. Like I would assume that yes, they will probably sell him and they will get a decent return much yep. better than they got. But if they decided that, you know what, we'd rather move forward with Lingard on the right side than Daniel James, I wouldn't be surprised. They decided, you know, let's move Anthony Martial and let's keep Lingard here. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I don't know. You know, that's, that's kind of one of those things that goes with being a Man U fan is, you're always going to be linked and rumored to every transfer of yeah. any of any decent player. Like, like I would send you the that, Pedro Neto one. Yeah, I sent you that Pedro Neto rumor that popped up last night. It's like only God knows if this is true, but I mean that just that is what it is. You're always going to be linked to any player having a good season that might move squads. Yeah, totally. Well, Kyle, you watched uh, Leeds Chelsea um, last weekend. It was a nil-nil draw, but uh, tell us a little bit about that match. Uh, how did that match affect some of your your power rankings, or even this whole week? Um, yeah, give us a little little breakdown. Yeah, so nil-nil draw, but it was really an interesting match, particularly for two reasons. First one would be, you know, I don't know if this was the most exciting nil-nil match ever. Uh, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but it was definitely up there for consideration. There was just a ton of opportunities all match long. Uh, in fact, in the first 15 minutes, both teams had a shot that went off the crossbar. And so that type of pace and excitement and goal opportunity really just almost carried throughout the entire match. There wasn't a lot of downtime or, or time that, you know, you would, you would say wasn't a lot of action. And so it was really exciting. I would say of the two clubs, um, Chelsea probably has to feel a little bit less excited about coming out of this with a draw because I mean, obviously they have a little bit higher expectations for this year, but also they, they did have a few more opportunities than Leeds, but Leeds pace and style of play um, make, gave them some opportunities as well and made for a really exciting match. And so despite being nil nil, had a ton of fun watching it and both teams, you know, I think Leeds delivered, right? Even in a nil-nil match, they delivered what I enjoy about them. They're fun to watch. They have some young, interesting players. They're a little bit of a, you know, that dark horse outsider, um, but they can compete with Chelsea and, and teams like that at times, especially in their first season in the Premier League in a while. And so um, they, they looked good. And then from Chelsea's standpoint, the second thing that was interesting was when 
Pulisic is playing for Chelsea and is active in the game plan, it makes a ton of difference. Um, I mean, in, in my neophyte eyes, it looked like it made a ton of difference on the pitch, even though they it was nil-nil. It looked like he was doing a ton for them. But particularly in my viewing experience, it made a ton of difference. My eyes, you know, I have so much invested in him, right? As yeah. a American and um, someone who is hoping that this guy is, you know, brings um, American U.S. national team to prominence, so much invested in the guy. And to, so my eyes are always drawn to him whenever he's involved with the play. And so thinking about this in terms of like which club I'm going to pick, um, watching him, you know, do his thing and make, uh, you know, set his team up for opportunities, take some shots himself. They weren't able to capitalize on him, but it was so fun to watch it. Again, for a nil-nil match, I had one of the most fun times watching a match all year. Um, and it was because of him and because of, you know, the style of play. So it was, a, it was a great match to watch. That's great. One of the things, I don't know if you noticed this, but Pulisic in that match played right wing back. Okay. is t- like just absolutely out of position for him. Hmm. So right wing back is it's a style of that the wolves wolves play. Um, so it's when they would set up in like a three, like a three, five, two formation. Um, but it's really more of like a five, three, two. So they call them wingbacks because the guys who are basically defenders on the wings play forward a lot. Hmm. So, but he normally plays in the, in a front three. And, okay. and most, and he's best on the left-hand side. Hmm. And so that's, that's, what's frustrating about when Lampard would play him on the right a lot. Um, I noticed it again, kind of neophyte eyes. I noticed it against wolves when he was playing on the left side against wolves. It was a disaster. Like it, it felt like any second he's going to score or he's going to hmm. assist someone like he was running us ragged on the left-hand side. Then they moved him to the right-hand side later in the match. And he was basically disappeared from, from viewing. And so to put him at right wing back was, was just bizarre. They moved him back to the front three today for the FA cup match. But um, I don't know what that means for him going forward. There's still a lot of, a lot of question around whether Tuchel is going to keep him, keep him in the mix and an FA cup, isn't indicative of how they're going to play for the rest of the premier league season. Cause typically you're giving some players who you need to give playing time opportunity to shine. So, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Pulisic uh, moving forward. It'll definitely be interesting. And I, it just kind of solidified what we've been talking about all season, which is if he is a centerpiece of their team moving forward, which there's a lot of questions around that. But if he is, it's, it's so hard. It would be so hard not to pick them, right? Because, yeah. um, it, again, just so much invested in the guy. And I will say, given what you just said, playing out of position, I really commend him for playing really hard. That was the thing that stood out, is he was just playing really, really hard in this match versus Leeds. And so I know it's been a tough season for him, but proud of our boy for playing yeah. hard. Um, how, how has this last week, how did that match affect, um, kind of your power rankings? Is there anyone 
obviously it was a light week, big weekend yeah. this weekend, light, light weekend this weekend, um, with a certain amount of teams, few teams, wolves not playing. Um, yeah, light week. So not a lot of movement on the board, to be honest, but I would say Leeds and Chelsea, like I said so much in, in my recap of the match, both improved their standings and, you know, whereas I hadn't been as enthralled with Leeds, particularly lately, um, watching them again in an exciting match, I think, move, you know, kind of reinvigorated my, my hope for them. And Chelsea, same thing, right? If they can somehow figure this thing out with Christian Pulisic, uh, which I think I've said his name three different times so far. But uh, <laughs> if they can figure that out, then um, they, they got a shot to move up as well. Totally. And that's the risk, right? That's what makes this so interesting is yeah. unless there's some guarantee put in place going into the final few weeks yep. of the year, you're, you could theoretically choose Chelsea and have him not be there if he transfers yep. in the summer. Right. So <laughs> it's interesting building a fan, choosing a team based around particular players, but um, performance of the week. I, I don't know if there's anyone else we can even say. Obviously, it's not only Premier League, but Ian Nacho's five goals this week, three in Premier League and two in um, in the FA Cup. Pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, anyone else stand out? Missing the week has thrown – like I feel like we're talking about games that happened like last year. I know. It's crazy <laughs> how fast it works when it's just a week, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you what was a highlight. And this is, it was in the Europa match for United against AC Milan was we've been without Pogba for like five weeks now. Yeah. And he comes on at halftime for his first game back and he scores three minutes into the second half. Yeah. That was a great, that was a great goal by him. Yeah. Great goal. It was great to have him back. Um, I don't remember anything. I, I'm more than okay saying good job, Anacho. You were amazing. Yeah. Um, and we've already talked about Lamella, but that goal, that goal was, yeah. was amazing. For sure. Uh, let's do a little lock it in review. Uh, I picked Chelsea over Leeds, uh, which was did not happen. So I fell to 17 and 12. Uh, Kyle and Chris, you guys both took city over Southampton, which was a winner. So Kyle or Chris moves back a half game ahead of me at 17 and 11. And, uh, Kyle moves back over 500 at 15 and 14. Chris, I went back and looked cause I was trying to remember which match I was like, have we already, have they already replayed the match? Yeah. And it's yeah, not, the end of the year. It's crystal palace leads, right? No, I think it's Villa. Oh, Villa, Villa over Crystal Palace you picked, right? Yeah. So uh, that's, yeah, that's in May. It's like a random Tuesday yeah. in May. It's like the third to last game of the season for them. Yeah. So, so we will be theoretically bouncing back and forth a half game. Um, I'm, I'm very tempted to say, hey, you guys want me to pick someone else? I'll no, pick we got to stick game. with that one. You said know, on, you want to stick with that one. Villa was playing so good when I picked them, and now they're playing like – Villa. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, who did you take for this, this week, Chris? Uh, I'm going against everything I believe in when making these locked in picks and I'm taking Manchester United over Brighton. 
Now I would say he's a little, a little ballsy of a pick too, considering the way Brighton's played the last few weeks. But so I feel like I have a really good read on United. Are they at Brighton? Uh, I don't even remember. Hang on. Let me look. You should have kept, you should have kept that in mind. Yeah. So it, no, it's at Trafford. Okay. Um, they have typically not had too many issues with Brighton, much like they have with Crystal Palace. So uh, that is why I went with them. Great. And also, so with United's loss earlier today, it was their first domestic loss in 29 games. On the road. Uh, yeah. So uh, it was 14 months since their last domestic loss. Good thing is the Premier League is still undefeated on the road in 21, 21 or 22. So uh, we're keeping that going. Which while we're talking like amazing feats uh, with Chelsea's two more clean sheets, I think it's now 14 of 16 matches or 12 of 14 matches, clean sheets uh, with Tuchel in charge. So um, that's about to get tested. They play city. I think so. So now Leicester plays city this week. Chelsea's got a couple of hard matchups coming up. Uh, it is not this week where they play West Brom. No, <laughs> it is not this week. They've got uh, West Brom, me... then crystal palace. And then uh, Brighton. you must be thinking of may because they don't uh, play. Yeah. They don't play anyone for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I take it all back. They, they are not about April 24th. They play West Ham. Uh, yeah, they play Man City in May. So they they've got a, they've got some harder contests coming up, but they're all in the Champions League or in the FA Cup. Yeah. Your- yeah, that's right. Kyle, who'd you pick for this week? I just switched it up Ooh. because I need to make up some ground here and so I got to take something that you all are not taking. So I'm taking Everton over Crystal Palace. I like that. That's a good pick. Um, I took Spurs over Newcastle. Um, it feels like picking a relegated team, but alas, it's not yet a team in relegation zone. Uh, match of the week. I think there's two matches. Well, here's the thing. We have a, a break coming up, international break. So uh, there are no matches coming up. Uh Players, most players, I think most teams have released their players to go on international duty. There was some question about whether or not some teams would hold players back, but, um, and I'm not fully up to date, so maybe that's happened, but I think most players are going. So uh, we've got some international matches. So U.S. plays a couple, um, which should be fun to keep our eye on if we're jonesing for some soccer over the next uh, couple weeks. But there are no matches until April 3rd. So next weekend we're, we're off. Um, but following that April 3rd, 4th, 5th weekend, there's two, two matches that really stand out. Uh, Leicester hosts man city, uh, which, which should be a, a good match. Theoretically, obviously city is city, uh, but Leicester hasn't, gone into their uh late season fade so that's exciting to see how they'll do and then the other match is arsenal liverpool more from kind of the traditional point of view but i still think um 
Arsenal has played decent and Liverpool, we still don't know what to expect for them. Um, I think they beat Wolves, obviously, to kind of get that monkey off their back. But um, I think there's still some question on on how good Liverpool is. And right now, only uh, four points separate Arsenal and Liverpool between seventh and ninth on the table. So it's crazy. Wow. Crazy. Kyle, what are you going to watch? What match? So I will also be watching Everton Crystal Palace, another two on the top eight. And to that, I would say have some work to do, right? I want to see, uh, I want to see something in these teams that will remember, make me remember why they're in the top eight. So for Everton and as a club, as I <laughs> forgot his name. That's probably not a good sign for Crystal Palace. As yeah, yeah. Well, that should that should be fun. We are we're we're narrowing it down. We're getting down to the wire, so it'll be exciting to see how these next few few match weeks play out and how your top four shake out. We are going to be breaking it down to top four, and yes, um, if we can give some some spoiler alerts. If we can pull it off, it's hard enough as we saw last week to get all three of us on a call at the same time, but we are hoping that for Kyle's final four clubs, we can bring a fan on as a guest to give one final, uh, like push to push Kyle over the edge to choose one of those teams. So, so be on the lookout for that. And if you are one of those people listening to the pod and your team is still alive, uh, reach out to us on uh, Twitter at football neophyte and you can DM us. Maybe we'll interview you. So uh, that's it for this week, gentlemen, Kyle, boys, we did it. Chris, peace. Hey, see ya. There's a possibility the Glazers might be out. I might have to bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if I trust that guy who's misspelling words. Well, there's been a, there's there's those rumors have been leaking for like the last month and a half since since the Super Bowl. Since the Super Bowl, since they yeah. won a trophy. Yeah. Shoot, so, we didn't think Tampa Bay was going to win the first show before <laughs> us. We put our eggs in the Man U basket. Actually, I don't know if they've won a trophy with Man U. They probably have, but. Uh, yeah, I have no idea when they. How long that. have they owned the team? How long have they owned the club for? Uh, I don't know, but if you fill in for ten seconds, I'll find out. Uh, let's see here. I purposely didn't say anything just to make yeah. it awkward. No, you did good. You did good. I'm real proud of you. Thank you. Uh. I'll probably just edit all this out and give until you give me the answer. You'll be so knowledgeable. Oh, they've owned since uh, 2007. 15 years. Yeah. Well, that so, was a pretty good guess. So I, what is that? Since 2007 or so? Oh, six, oh seven range. Yeah. Um, but one of the majority owners, uh, Avram Glazer, sold 70 million pounds worth of his stock in it. And so I think that's where. Who did he sell it to? I don't know. Not me. Too bad. Um, so let's see here. 
don't know. It just says he he sold seventy million dollars worth of shares. Got it. This is the longest Glazers out in history. Yeah, but they <laughs> actually might be out too. <laughs> because they might be actually be out. All right, gents, go watch some March Madness. Yeah, buddy. Peace. Peace.